You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Morello. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, my co-host, is here. I have where the hell this show is going to go. We all have so much to say that it's going to be. Um, and we we've already. Let's see. Uh, Alex, Alex, how you doing? Tell us how you doing. Then we're going to the phones. Ooh, I am here, uh, mind, body, and soul. Um, well, maybe I should probably get my mind checked if I'm watching this team over the last six weeks. But uh, we're here to talk it through. Uh, another rough week. We didn't get to do one last week, so it's good to be back. Good to be talking to you, Glenn. Um, but we have a caller on the line, so let's get it going. All right. Uh, caller's calling from uh, 916. What do you got, caller? What's your name? What do you got? Hey, I'm Kevin. I'm calling from Sacramento, California. I just want to say, watching the Jets on primetime, three are not primetime players. I was just so disappointed in watching them let the Patriots march down the field on a 132-play drive to start off the game. Sam Darnold, listen to him beginning of the week, I think we're unstoppable. You can believe that, but don't let the Patriots know that because they just beat that. You know what, Adam, I said, I can't take it much more. I play Madden. If you see the overloading to one side of the field, I would run the other way. But that's just me. I'm not the brightest guy out there. Adam Gaze, he said he likes playing against, going against Bill Belichick's defense. Okay. You didn't prove it to me. You didn't prove anything to us. It's so disappointing in these guys. And please, when they come back on Monday night again next year, the next three years, do not give anybody any jerseys, no ring of honor, because every time they have a big ceremony halftime, we get bludgeoned. Only good thing is it's basketball season. Go uh, I'll tell you what that the, I mentioned that during the game. That I I think you're right about that. I would I would have to go back, but I feel like every time they they do a, a ring ceremony or a, a, a ring of honor, they they do it. They get their asses kicked. I mean, why do you do it against the Patriots? Yeah. Maybe this is something that Jets have no control over because the Hall of Fame is involved. The Hall of Fame presenting Kevin Mawai with his Hall of Fame ring. Congratulations to him. Sorry he had to watch that disaster, but. Yeah. Yeah. Even in years past, they, they they do it again, and they may, the Jets may not have full control of it. But I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking, here's Kevin Mawai who busted his ass for this team, had a Hall of Fame career, yeah. and he's standing in front of about a one eighth full stadium, most of it Pats fans, because even the Jets yeah. fans aren't interested enough to hang around and cheer for the guy. It's absolutely ridiculous. Again, if the Jets had a hand in that, and they said, hey, let's do this on uh, Monday against the Patriots. I don't understand the logic there, well, because there isn't any. But, listen, we were all disheartened by that game. Again, the defense failing to get off the field on third down on that first drive. The Patriots with 12, 13, 14, 15, however many plays, they drive right down the field and score. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Sickening to watch. It's the same old story with this defense against Brady. But, my goodness, you know, uh, everyone – well, a lot of people went into this game thinking – I mean, who was it? Del Rio, I think, picked the Jets to win. But to be fair, that's before we knew Chuma was starting to left tackle. But either way, how the point you raised, what I said at the top of the show, how do you keep allowing a defense to send more rushers than you have blockers and you don't adjust? I, say, I said to Alex off the air before the show, I try to make a point of saying, you know, every now and then, just for new listeners, I know I'm not a, a friggin' know-it-all. I know I don't have the answers. I know these coaches know more than we'll ever – than you know, you know, what's the old saying? That they've forgotten more about football than I ever know. I get that. But right. Jesus, like the same thing over and over. And Adam, Adam Gates comes out and says it. Yeah, they didn't do anything special. They, they, we knew what they were doing. And you just stood there and watched it happen. And you're a genius. Oh. Come on. What the, so painful, I mean, geez, so we're not asking to move mountains. We're saying, <laughs> can someone please adjust to the fact that they're sending seven, eight blitzers and your quarterback's getting popped. I, I, I haven't watched the whole All-22 in its entirety yet. But from what I watched, 
a lot of what the O-line was doing wasn't that bad when it was man-to-man. Like, they were blocking the guy they had to block. Not every play. Don't friggin' call in and say, I saw a play where this guy got his ass kicked. I'm saying rushers were getting through consistently, and it wasn't because the blocking wasn't there. It's because there were more rushers than there were blockers, and no adjustments being made. How many free runners to the quarterback can you allow in one game? It was absolutely ridiculous. And everybody watching the game is saying it. And Adam Gase, after the game, he came out and said, that's malpractice. You come out and say, yep, we knew what they were doing because they weren't hiding it, and they sure kicked our ass every time. Is there not an adjustment to, to be this, made? But I miss Todd Bowles now. I tell you, I miss Todd Bowles. He was horrible. He was horrible. I mean, but listen, I miss Todd Bowles he, for crying out loud. You you can't argue that Gase has been a disaster. Uh, I'm just tired of bad coaches. I mean, exactly. Is it is, is life that much better to go from a terrible coach back to a bad coach, or who was sometimes terrible? I mean, they're both very bad coaches. Their records reflect it. I uh, just it should have been Matt Rule. <laughs> I mean, that's water under the bridge. Well, maybe. Hopefully the Jets come to their senses, fire Gase, and, and, and go after Matt Rule. And, you know, and, and all these people that said, you can't criticize Gase because it's Luke Falk. I agreed with that, but I also said, yeah. there are still some concerning things. It's not, I'm not saying you've got to put up 30 points with Luke Falk. I'm saying get a first down with the guy. And there are things we were seeing from the offense that were disturbing no matter who the quarterback was. Don't, you can't say that. It's Luke Falk. He's not good. Listen, Adam Gase had eyes on Luke Falk for a year in Miami. No coach in the NFL had a longer look at Luke Falk in a, on an NFL practice field than Adam Gase, and he's the one that brought him with him to New York. So don't give me this, oh, like Adam Gase had no idea Luke Falk wasn't any good. He thought he was good enough to bring him. And I'm not, I'm not saying good enough to win games. Good enough to move the damn football a few yards. He wasn't good enough to do that, but Adam Gase was good, thought he was good enough to bring him with him to New York. And then he has to cut him because he re- finally realizes he's terrible. But then now you got your quarterback. You got Sam Donald. You got a legit deep threat. You got the best running back in the NFL. Arguably, you have a legitimate slot receiver. Zero points. Nothing. Nothing. It's Offensive innovator. It's Genius. Zero points. Thanks. Well, Alex, you have anything to add? We'll get him next week, I hope. It's just frustrating. You know, it's just so frustrating. Can't deal with this much longer with these damn jets drive. You get pumped up for it, and they just rip your throat out again and again and again. Thanks so Thanks, much for calling, man. We appreciate one. it. God bless. All right, bye. Alex, now that's the way that. you start a show, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, coming out, I'm coming telling out you. Tonight. It, I mean, how, how does this happen? Even And this is the thing. I don't even want to hear from the people who said, well, first of all, the Adam Gase thing, as I've said before, he was the last guy I wanted of the rumored candidates. But I jumped in in support of it because I was just so damn tired of being angry at having a terrible head coach. Well, that's we're back we're back there again. So anyone that says you supported Gase, I supported Gase because I was tired of being pissed off. Now that's it. That time has passed. It's, it's been an off season and seven weeks. I'm pissed off again. The head coach is no good. And and if he's good, if he turns this thing around. Oh, the, my question is, what the hell was he waiting for? He's not a rookie head coach. He's not learning the ropes. He's, he's, got, he's got several years under his belt now. And we can give the excuse, oh, well, yeah, Jay Cutler, Tannehill got hurt, da 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 He's got Luke Falk. He got Darnold back. Darnold was a wreck. Even when Darnold had time, he was so shell-shocked from earlier in the game that he, lo- he looked like Christian Hackenberg by the end of that game. He threw three or four balls in a row over the players on the sideline. It was ridiculous. Hackenberg never looked that bad. And you're going to tell me that this all just happens overnight? He's one of the offensive player of the week, and six days, seven days later, he looks like me playing quarterback. What the hell is going on? To quote the, uh, the great Vince Lombardi. But, I mean, so many things went wrong in this game. So many things that were... Uh, yeah, but the point I was going to make, even the people who, who have told, oh, you don't know what you're getting out of Gase. Adam, he's so bad. He's such a bad coach. Nobody saw him being this bad. Nobody. There's bad, and then there's, oh, my God, what the hell is going on out there? Bad. 
And that's, that's the point the Jets are at right now. And it's not just on the field, because Alex, please share with us your thoughts on the Kalichi Assembly situation, in which the Jets try to establish themselves once again as the utmost professional organization. What are your thoughts on Kalichi? First of all, for those unfamiliar, Alex, summarize what's going on with KO, and then share your thoughts, if you would, please. So, um... I guess to, to start the timeline right, it looks like uh, the personal friend of Coletio Assembly from Bleacher Report, Adam uh, Lefko, uh, put out a tweet the other day uh, stating that Coletio Assembly is dealing with agonizing pain in his shoulder, um, and he's looking to get surgery on this, but the Jets are not clearing it. And that there were also some uh, reports, MRI reports that were sent out that were completely blank as if the Jets were somehow tampering with the information that they were submitting. Um, And this created a huge, huge frenzy on Twitter over the weekend. Um, This is a really, really bad look for the organization. Uh, But then some other people chimed in from uh, our New York beat that claimed that this shoulder injury was pre-existing. This was something that the Jets were aware of uh, during the trade process, and no trades are ever put through unless the players are cleared medically, uh, in which I believe uh, two of the Jets' doctors uh, had cleared him to to play, and, and he could work through this, this ailment and, and – you know, be a starter for our team. So we've got our medical staff and we've got Colegio Assembly's medical people. Both seem to be on different sides. Um, now, I know our good buddy Manish Mehta has been putting out some information as well. And uh, according to some of his sources, um, this looks like something that Colegio wants to get done so that he can um, – stop dealing with, you know, this agonizing pain. And I'm a little twisted on it because if he was cleared earlier in the year, um, there's a part of me that understands where the Jets are coming from, that, hey, we knew about this, you knew about this, you made the decision um, to not have surgery in the off season to correct this, this ailment. You figured that you could work through this. So that was a decision that you made, and, and now you want, um, to go under, I guess, the knife on, on your own will. Um, I never knew that the Jets would actually have a say in the matter. Um, that is kind of shocking to me because at the end of the day, um, this is a game. Um, yes, it's a game that, you know, these guys get paid a lot of money to do. But at the same time, uh, you know, you don't get to play football forever. And this guy's going to have to have a life after the sport. And I, I just don't – I think the optics on this particular situation are, are really, really bad. Um, it hurts. Um, this is just another, uh, I guess, just another ugly situation uh, of a horrific year. I, I can't remember, you know, 37 years old. This is one of the worst starts I've ever seen this team ever have as far as the weird illnesses and the injuries and uh, problems in the front office and, and all sorts of things. This is by far one of the most bizarre seasons I've ever um, had to endure as a Jets fan. Um, And everyone who's frustrated or, you know, whatever side you take on this, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I'm still a little mixed on the situation. Um, after hearing some of the interview uh, statements that Coleccio had made um, kind of puts me a little bit more on, on, on his side, where I kind of feel that maybe the Jets aren't doing the right thing right here. And if they want to come away with this with any sort of dignity, uh, they should do what's in the best interest of the player. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the ramifications are um, in the event that you know, some sort of tampering was involved with these MRIs. Apparently it was just human error. Um, Believe it or not, these guys are humans. (laughs) So people do make mistakes. 
um, off the field, um, even medically and, and in that training room as well. So this is a really, really just awful situation that for this team to be in. We've got so many issues that are going on the field, and we, we keep having these off-the-field situations constantly pop up week after week that just, again, is a really, really bad look for this team as a whole. Well, I'll tell you what, in terms of KO, what I would like to know, and you're right, it, it's not an easy thing to answer. The, the the key piece of information to me, and the problem is we'll probably never get the real answer to this, but I would love to know when he told the team he was going to have surgery because he wasn't playing well. Whether it was an injury, whatever the reason, he was not playing well. Yeah. And he's making $11, $12 million. If he told the team... You know, when they said, hey, you're out this week, and he said, look, I think I need surgery on this thing, or the day after that, fine, I could say, look, he's got to get the surgery. He knew he needed the surgery. If he stood on the sidelines and watched Alex Lewis outplay him by a wide margin and went, oh, damn, they're not going to pay me $11 million to be a backup, and there's no cap hit to cut me. Um, I need some surgery and some IR and a guaranteed $11 million. That's a different story. However, wait, again, we're not going to find out when that happened. But the Jets, it's not that simple, but it is a bad look to tell a guy he's got to play if he says he's too hurt. He, it, is he gaming him? Maybe he is. But you know what? He's got a contract that pays him what it pays him. And if, if the doctors are saying, and that, that actually is another factor, because we're hearing that the doctors are saying he can put it off, and we're hearing that the, the doctors are saying, if it, if it hurts, you have to get it done. So I, I would love to hear, as a matter of fact, I think what we might try to do, I should have tried the ring, I'm actually friends with a, uh, an orthopedic surgeon who, who trained under Dr. James Andrews. I should have contacted him to see if we, could, if we can get him to uh, come on the air. Maybe next week if this is still an ongoing thing. But I, I sympathize with the guy if he's legitimately hurt. But if he didn't mention surgery until his replacement outplayed him, it's it's a little bit fishy. But it's still a tough call to me for the Jets to uh, – I guess basically I'm saying he's a human being and you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I can understand where the Jets are looking at this and saying, wait a minute. You know, again, especially – if it didn't come till after the fact, I, I can see the Jets sitting down and saying, "Look, did it? Did this guy mention surgery to anybody before Lewis went out there and played his ass off? No. Oh, but now he wants surgery, which would IR him, which would guarantee his eleven million. So I can see mm-hmm. the skepticism on the part of the Jets. But if he if he said a single word about surgery before Lewis went out there and outplayed him, it's it's a hundred percent on his side, no doubt. Assembly, but even still, it, he's a human being, and. uh I know I probably sound like I'm contradicting myself a little bit, and I am because it's it's a it's a complicated thing. It's not cut and dry to me. I I, I guess what I'm saying, I you kind of set it out. You, you can see both sides. You can see where you know each side has a point to make. Well, we're gonna go to the phones again. Uh, caller, area code six zero nine. What's your name? What do you got? Hey guys, my name is Jack. Uh, really appreciate watching the show. Uh, you guys do a great job week in and week out. Appreciate um, it, Jack. But I uh, yeah Thank absolutely. You. Um, yeah, uh, Glenn and Alex, I just got a question for you guys. Um, I don't know if you had already talked about it yet on the show today, but, um, halftime adjustments, how do you feel about how this staff has done about that? Um, as we know, Bowles, his staff was never too great about that. Um, how do you guys think they're doing? That's a great question. Glenn, you want to go first? Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the thing with this, with the way this season has gone and the way this team has played, and, and again, especially the, 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 the primary thing being the blocking up front and the adjusting to what opposing defenses are bringing, we're not, we're yeah. not seeing any adjustment. We're, we're seeing the same sort of, you know, run Le'Veon Bell into a pile. And, and even, you know, yep. even this past week, I, you know, I get that Le'Veon Bell is who he is, but when, once you come up to the line and you see that they're just stacking the box – there is no, you know, people say, oh, you have to set up the run. You have to use the run to set up the pass. Oh, you have to use the pass to set up the run. You have to be fluid, and you have to look at what the defense is giving yes. you. 
and defenses are stacking yeah. the box and trying to force you to make a play, it, it, throw the ball. Why, why is it? And I know, you know, it, we're talking the very first play of the game. It's not going to change a 33 nothing outcome. But but why right. go, why not right. audible out of that? Or why not call, you know, when you see the personnel package going in, why not have a pass play? Why not tr- let Sam Darnold exactly. complete a few passes to set Le'Veon Bell up? And then when we Get come out, we, I mean, Jesus, they're coming out at the half. They're down so much. It almost feels like there's nothing they can do. It's just been, right. you know, right. it's been frustrating to watch them go out and try the same thing every week. And I really, I don't, I, again, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, that any of these, these decisions w- were going to change the outcome in a, a 33 nothing game. You know, that would be preposterous. But yeah. why, didn't we see, why didn't we see the tight end at all this week? You know, that we, he got involved a little bit last week, and, and what do you know? He makes a couple plays. Like, you, exactly. you want a defense to have to, yeah, to, to, have to account for as many guys as possible. And if you go out there, you play the Jets, and, and you just focus on Le'Veon Bell, you're probably still going to win the game because yeah. he's such a central part of the offense. There are guys on the, yeah. there are other guys on the field, um, but again, the, the key this week was no matter what the game plan was, no matter who the intended targets were, there weren't enough blockers to, to give the quarterback time to throw it. Yeah, that was it, man. That was it. And they just they kept hammering home on the on the the broadcast about that zero blitz or whatever they're calling it, and it's just you sit there as a fan. I'm not an expert on the game, but it's just like, gosh, there's got to be something you can do here. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen. If the Jets came out and ran that against the Patriots and it worked the first time, do you think it would have worked the next 13 times? Exactly. Does, does Bill Belichick exactly. do that? Or would it have yeah. been corrected on the exactly. next play and not happened again the rest of the game? Yeah. Yeah. Is that too much to ask for as a fan, you know? Yeah. Free, yeah, free rushers coming at the quarterback all night is not an encouraging sign. Yeah. <laughs> and he, here's exactly. what's, what's very interesting with from what I've seen throughout the, the first six games here um, it, from a defensive standpoint. And that, just to talk a little bit on the other side of the ball with Greg Williams, what right. really, really shocked me was he did try to mix up his, his game plan with zone and man and, and, and situations like that. Uh, unfortunately, okay. we're going up against one of the best quarterbacks probably ever in Tom Brady. Um, and there is no real scheme that you can throw his way that he hasn't seen before, and that was most evident. But what was interesting to me is how we dropped into particular types of, you know, soft zone style of coverages. Now, I could understand, you know, not dialing up the pressure meter with players like Mosley, who's kind of working through, you know, a serious groin injury. But yeah. You know, to see that opening drive of 16 plays, eight and a half minutes, and and watching Jacoby Myers, who's a rookie, who I, I watched him in college, maybe, you know, for certain fans, this was the first time they saw Jacoby Myers um, was he professionally. 16? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, okay, the yeah. fact that he was getting the ball threaded the needle in, in these small little pockets and windows of this zone coverage was just, you uh, know, yes, it's an experience. I- Yes, these you know we're a little bit talent deprived, so younger guys are getting a lot more opportunities with this this team and this defense. But it really right. really frustrated me that you don't start the game on your heels when you're going up against Tom Brady. You have to try to make him adjust and 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 put and show the pressure. How many games yeah. have we seen yeah. where if you dial up the pressure on Tom Brady and you can get a good push up the middle, that he will get he'll unravel quickly. He'll start yelling oh, yeah. at his team and his offensive linemen. He gets emotional because he's a passionate player. I mean, you have to go ahead and you got to look at what the, the Buffalo Bills did to keep that game so close yes. in the beginning yes. month of September. That was the model that you should have developed your game plan off of. You know, yes, the Buffalo defense no. is, is better than ours, clearly. But right. what they drew up, was an effective game plan. And if you could work off of that type of model, you know, the the great Tom Brady can be, you know, put off his game. It is possible. Got, it yeah. happened before. So yeah. I'm a little That's frustrated like, with the way yeah. we started the game. And, you know, yes, we developed a little bit of pressure. And Tom Brady does a really good job of getting the ball out quick. And even at the last second when bodies and hands are getting on him, he still finds a way to get rid of it, which is frustrating. But yeah. I just didn't like how we started on our heels and then tried to 
to dial up the meter as as the game went on. So I wasn't a, a huge fan of that. And and as far as offensive adjustments, it's kind of hard to say because you start off the game with Jonathan Harrison coming in as a fullback. We've seen a lot of two and three tight end sets, max protection sets. Problem is, is guys are still getting free, and and guys uh. are still winning one on one. And teams know that we have not had the same five starting offensive linemen for more than two weeks at a time. Yeah. We haven't. Exactly. You know, all the starting five that we came into the season with got an opportunity to play the first two weeks and then everything with the injuries and then mixing up the lineup and all these things have happened. They haven't had time to gel. There's guys that are struggling, still trying to figure out what their responsibilities are. And then you got young players that can't hold their own on one-on-one looks. It's yeah. a collaborative, bad, bad situation we have right now. It is. It is. Yeah, but, man, um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it was great uh, great hearing the insight. I just, you know, helps break things down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'll keep listening, and uh, hopefully we can get some things to turn around a little bit towards the end of the season here. Things get a little easier. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Call Absolutely, back anytime. Jack. All right, Looking guys. forward to hearing you call back again. Absolutely. All right, so Alex, the next, uh, the next, the next burning question that has to be asked about uh, the decisions that were made in this football game. Um, one, one of the more important ones, really, but there are quite a few. I should have set this up for uh, for a two-hour show tonight because there's enough there's enough to go around. Why was C.J. Mosley in the game? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was that was it. That was the whole question, Alex. That was it. I guess I could have said why was C.J. Mosley in the game after it was clear that he could barely walk and he was like like trailing several yards behind running plays at a at a light jog. This is a guy who in week one hurt his groin. He was questionable for the following. They said he might go. They said he might be ready for week two. Four or five weeks later, he's still not playing. They finally get him into a game. He's still hurt. And then that, that, what does Adam Gase say? We're going to do a deep dive on this injury. Oh, we're, we're going to investigate this thing now. We have a $17 million linebacker who we clearly misdiagnosed a month and a half ago. Played him before he was ready to play. We think this is a call. For some medical tests. What the hell are you talking about? You're going to do it now? Well, this is insanity. Uh, he didn't this is, say it, what, but he spelled what? it out. If you, I hate to say this too. And, Put him on the shelf for the um, year. Put him on the shelf. It was, done. It, it was talked about at ESPN Radio today. Um, and what they were alluding to is that if this if he did, he could clearly have a groin injury, but if it goes deeper than that, the where that's alluding to is sports hernia, and if he has a sports hernia, then he is absolutely done for the year, and that is by far the worst case scenario. So I'm hoping and that the news that, that comes diagnosis? back. I mean, it's like I was busy. He was not practicing for six weeks, four, however long, a month. Nobody thought like. Hey, let's do another test as long as we're sitting here. And this injury that we thought would be better a month ago is really better. No, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and sit on that initial diagnosis. And let's play him this week. Hey, who's that guy walking around the field while the game's going on? Oh, it's one of our players. Oh, that's CJ Mosley. He can't run. Uh, all right, just keep him out there anyway. Adam Gase, I'm glad well, they pulled him when they did. They pull it the fourth quarter after a couple quarters of running around on one leg. Not like he's eating. A huge portion of your salary cap. I mean, we all want him out there. We the ones with the access to medical records. Are these the same guys saying Osemele needs surgery? I mean, come on. Here's the interesting thing: we've heard so many good things about this medical staff throughout the years, and today, when the information or a, a new player popped up on the injury report, Brian Winters. Um, he's working through something. I don't know specifically what that is, but to quote, he's putting duct tape all over his body right now. He's banged up. Yeah, I heard that. He's, you know what? 
duct tape. Really? Now, what is he <laughs> well, talking about? Alex, he's not literally about? putting duct tape on his body. It was a bad <laughs> joke from a bad coach. Yeah, I'm picturing that little Cases giant jokes movie. are as bad as his game where, plans. Where, where the, Actually, where the, the kid jokes are better. With, with the big glasses comes in, jokes his mom doesn't than, think he ends up padding, and then he wraps James him up Burgess. with like all sorts of foam. Put Mosley on IR. Promote James Burgess. I'm looking at the practice squad here. Hey, at least they have two brothers on the practice squad. That's a cool story. Bronson and Calfuzzi. Six and six nine. Jesus, what did they feed those kids? Six foot six and Apparently six there's nine. a lot of professional athletes that have fallen from that Kafusi tree. Football is life in the house. There's a one in the, it's somewhere, isn't there? I forgot about that. But yeah, for mm-hmm. those of you who didn't know, because uh, we didn't do a show last week because uh, the, tech, the tech sucked and broke down. Corbin Kafusi, uh, he's played D-line, he's played O-line. The Jets list him as an O-lineman. He's six foot nine. His brother Bronson, of course, been part of the Jets front seven. He's six six, both on the practice squad. Which is really just absolutely ridiculous. Six feet, six it's inches. It's just a testament to how rough this but, uh, year has been, because we haven't had a positive radio show after a Jets win since 2018, <laughs> and the one win that we get, our our uh, technical difficulties knock us out twice in the same week. So that is just absolutely kind of ridiculous. Silver lining on the type of year that that we've been having as typical, well. Typical, typical of, of being a fan of this team. It's. I mean, there's, there's no Jets fans. We must just hate ourselves. There's no. There's no other explanation for this. No other self-respecting human being would, would keep going through this crap. It's absolutely ridiculous. Could have hired Matt. Matt Rule right now. The college season is like seven games old. Matt Rule is twenty-two and zero, uh, and the Jets had him in the building, but they didn't like who he was going to bring in as an offensive coordinator. Apparently, if he was going to bring in Dowell Logans, it would have been fine. Uh, the highly accomplished <laughs> Dowell Logans is the reason why Matt Rule is not the Jets head coach right now. Thank you, Dowell. No, that's I can't put that on Dowell. He's just he's just taking the job. It's Adam Gase. But you got Burgess on the practice squad. Maybe you bring him up and you put Mosley on IR if he's got this hernia thing. Just put him on IR. There's no reason to risk it. I'm so I was so optimistic before this game. I didn't think they were going to win the game. I thought that, I thought it'd be a fight. I thought they had a chance to win before before they lost Beecham. I thought, oh, now you got to start a, a rookie at left tackle, who, by the way, wasn't that bad for a rookie going against Bill Belichick. From what I got to watch of the All Twenty Two, the pass blocking from Adoga wasn't wasn't. You go into that game like, oh Jesus, is this going to be a Wayne Hunter situation? Because he's never played left tackle in the NFL and primarily right tackle in college. But I do think the Jets drafted him with the, with an eye on moving him to left tackle. But uh, not bad there. But let's – as this this glimmer of, of positive positivity, Alex. Any any players – I mean, listen, duds, everybody. Okay, let's, let's say there were 50 duds. Yeah. Alex, give me three guys who weren't absolutely friggin' embarrassing during this football game. We, I, we won't even call them studs. Would you say duds um, and, and and not quite as duds? I think number one has to be Leonard Williams, if, if I have to be Absolutely. honest. I, I think the last two weeks has been some of the – I mean, statistically, this is just – we've hammered this home. What he does is not going to show up on the stat sheet. So if you're ex- exclusively going to be judging your perspective on, on his stats, then you're not seeing the whole picture here. Um, this guy – has been playing like someone that is cutting out those news clippings and those tweets and all that stuff. And he's putting them in his locker room or he's putting them in the bathroom in his house. And he's looking at them before he leaves his house every day as motivation because he doesn't look like the same guy that I've seen. Um, you know, he, he created a lot of pressure in this game. Um, you know, it's hard to see with a 33, um, you know, beat down, but if you did notice the plays in which he did create some pressure, he forced um, an intentional grounding, and he got a couple hits on Brady. He's just playing. He's doing things that you just don't pick up on, um, and I think that he is continuing to play well. Um, you know, and what's what's interesting here is we're probably going to be alluding, probably going to segue into the next part of this conversation with the the trade rumors that have been cir- circulating the last couple of year, uh, weeks. 
damn right we are. If anybody, if anybody has, you know, a, a any uh, stock, you know, at this point on this team, um, I would have to say that his stock right now is probably higher than it's been since his rookie year, um, when he he came in with you know the the sons of anarchy and and, and looked to be like this this all-star well, well, really, tackle in the work. It's splitting hairs, Alex, but really year two when he had the seven sacks and was a Pro Bowl alternate. But I get what you're saying. He's he. This is probably the, the highest his stock has been in years, which is the main point. Yep, exactly. Um, but I don't know if I can, can sit here. I mean, obviously Le'Veon Bell leaves it all out in the field. And again, his numbers are not looking great, but he fights for every inch on that field. And He does. With everything that was speculated by the media about this guy becoming a, a locker room cancer, he has been nothing but a, a just a pleasant surprise, I guess you could say. Um, you know, a fresher, a, a, what do you call it, a clean, uh, fresher breath air, you know, whatever the saying is. It's just I'm glad that, you know, a, a player with his personality because – we've seen other high caliber all-star players and when things don't go right, they get yappy. They start saying things that are, are, you know, end up splitting the rock, the locker room and making the coaches have to make, you know, tough decisions or answer tough questions. He has been nothing but positive. He still believes that we just haven't gotten it figured out yet. And he, and you have to commend him for, for everything that he says and he does. And, um, you know, those are my top two two studs, and and like you you said, um, the whole team, and, and and you know, one of the biggest studs as well was was Sam Darnold. Um, you know, I'm sure we we can cover the whole ESPN comment or, or airing of his of his mic'd up comments. You know, I I don't think it's a big deal. I know that this is hot news, or you know, for for media people to write and and get those clickbait articles out, but um, Sam, it looked like, you know, this is the spooky kind of the year, that horror movie, Night of the Body Snatchers. Like, what happened to Sam Darnold? Who who took our Sam Darnold that we saw that was electric and looked like the franchise QB that we all have been waiting for against that Dallas team? Because, you know, we haven't had the chance to talk about that, but he looked great in the pocket. He looked accurate. He looked like he was going to right the wrongs that we've been going through the last you know, several weeks. And whatever happened from that Sunday to this, this previous Monday, completely different guy. Um, this was the quarterback that I was concerned about uh, when you hear about the, that 20 uh, turnover year, 20-plus, I think it was. I think it was around 21 or 22 turnovers he had um, when he was back in USC. That was my biggest fear with Sam Darnold coming in as a young quarterback was that those poor habits that he developed because he didn't have a great offensive line and throwing off his back foot, throwing into tight windows where there's you know double, triple coverage um, and turning the ball over as many times as he did um, with the fumbles as well, you know, it, it from last year, um, he cleaned that up, his play in the pocket, and he wasn't getting stripped, and he wasn't holding that ball like a loaf of bread. Uh, but you can clearly see that some of those bad habits came out again this past week, and I had a little back and forth with someone this week, and they said something completely ridiculous that Jeremy Bates had corrected his throwing off his back back of his foot issue and and Gase has brought that back like absolutely absurd and ridiculous um i'm going to say this sam darnold has an uncanny ability to evade pressure move around outside the pocket and deliver accurate throws when he's on the move we've all seen this there's no way that we can you know further elaborate on this because the tape doesn't lie but if you go and you look at some of the things that he does, if you were to be, to train a new young quarterback and you see some of the, the way that he throws the ball and some of the things that he does, that's not the way that you want 
to develop a QB with your your left shoulder pointing to the left and you're throwing right and your your front foot is pointed in the middle of the field or you know you're you're throwing off your back hip or you you know or you're moving to your left and trying to throw back to your right you know these these things are are not proper mechanics and that was one of the things that I was very concerned about was that when you throw a young quarterback right into the fire you know you'll develop as you go um, that was my concern um, because I was concerned about the offensive line last year, um, still concerned with the offensive line. And when you have a quarterback that has as much pressure as this team allows, you, you start to do poor things when you're under duress. You make poor decisions. You forget your mechanics. You forget your footwork. You just do what you can to try to make a play, and then sometimes it comes back to bite you. And I kind of feel that that was a little bit of what we saw on Monday night was a, a deer in headlights. Um, he was clearly rattled. Um, you could see in the second half he was throwing the ball a few yards over the receivers, and he was throwing stuff in the dirt, and he was throwing stuff way out of bounds. And you could just tell that Sam was not in a good place mentally. He was not in his element. Um, unfortunately, we didn't we don't have anybody behind him because if you heard Booger McFarland, what's he still doing in the game? Well, Booger, if you haven't looked at our roster, uh, we've had some issues at the quarterback. Um, if you, if you haven't noticed and we got, yeah, rid and, of and you, listen, Luke and you got a little knew our offense the best. So I wasn't comfortable yeah, throwing you, fails into that scenario you work against it. the best defense in the league. You got to let him work yeah, through I, it. I, I, you can trash Adam Gase for a lot of things, but I don't have. I wouldn't have had a huge problem if he pulled Darnold, and I don't have a huge problem that he didn't. Let it, listen. Would would get guy get get guys reps, just reps. That's how you get better. And this game was bound to happen at some point. We were fortunate that we didn't see a lot of that last year during his rookie year. But what people may not know is that this past Monday was his 16th game as a professional athlete. So Sam just technically completed his first rookie season with all the time that he had missed. So for everybody that says, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, he's on year two. Well, he's missed six games since he's come into the league. And yes, he's gotten mental reps. I'm air quoting right now. And he's learning things about picking up, you know, pressure and alignments and things like that. So we've been told, but clearly that did not happen in this game. So Sam's still got a lot of room to grow. He's still got a lot of improvement to do mentally and mechanically. And all the focus is on, you know, the offensive line and everything's focused on Adam Gase and what he says and what he does and how this team performs and all justified. But at the end of the day, we cannot forget about 14 and we have to do right by this kid and we have to figure out a way to get him to improve his mechanics. You know, at this point, the way that I come away from this is that this was by far statistically, and from what I've seen with my eyes, the worst game that he's ever played. Oh, God. And I don't know if he could play worse than no, There's no doubt about that. I hope he can. I hope that this is the bottom. So we've seen the bottom. Everything else is we got to go up from here, right? That's the way we got to mean. It, it can't get, if it gets we worse than that, then, then we're in a lot of trouble. And that that will be, you know, something that we're going to have to look as we go through this year and we go through these next 10 games. We will learn a lot about Sam Darnold and a lot of these these players that we have on the offensive side of the ball, what they're made out of. You know, who who can step up and start doing their job better and can Sam mature at a at a completely rapid rate and and start righting some of these you know wrongs? Yeah, and we you know as far as this week goes, you know Donald's going to try to bounce back. I mean, the whole damn team's going to try to bounce back, obviously. But you have to you got to figure is is Chris Herndon going to be playing? You know, something like that, obviously. Mm. In a perfect world, I mean, it's going to help. An upgrade is an upgrade. 
he's a better blocker than any of the other tight ends they have, and obviously a a better player, you know, a better pass catcher. So it just it's really here's the thing, Alex, is that they were so bad on Monday night that it's hard to come out and say, well, here's a few positives moving forward. Like there's no yeah. re- there is no reason to believe they'll do anything right against the Jaguars. I know the Jaguars aren't the Patriots, but I, I can't come away from that game and say, well, here's, here's the positives. Here's what they can build on. You know, yeah, Leo played well. Yeah, honestly, the other guy that jumped out at me, and I'm not just saying it's because I liked him early, Kyle Phillips had a really good game. Kyle Phillips, too. if I'm not mistaken – uh, led, led led the team in tackles, well, at least in the front seven. I think Daryl Roberts had more than Phillips. But Kyle Phillips played quite a bit and led the team in tackles. We saw uh, Fadakasi looked all right again. But, but look, there was so much bad that it almost uh, – and this is coming from the guy that always tries to focus on the positive when things are going bad. Because, you know, as I always say, it's building block. People, people say to me, oh, there's no such thing as moral victories. Like, I don't, I'm not talking about moral victories. I'm talking about things to build on moving forward. Sure, fine. The D-line looked good. Great. You know, in terms of there, were, there was some pressure. Not enough, obviously. Not nearly enough on Brady. But there was so little that went right that it's like, who the hell cares? For the, for the one or two things that weren't a complete and utter disaster. It really was just incomprehensible. And Adam Gates be embarrassed. And I'll tell you what, man, I hate to say it, but a couple more losses like this, dude, and I think I think you're going to see Jamal Adams like start looking around the league at where he might want to get traded. Because this dude's a competitor and and this this culture and this environment and you know, I I don't doubt for one second, you know, we talked about assembly earlier. He told the media that he's spoken to his teammates about it, and his teammates are saying that what the Jets are doing to him is bullshit. Of course, it's a, you know mm-hmm. this is a, a player versus management issue that players are going to side with the player. You know, the majority of the time, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, how far away are we? We only got about ten minutes left. But how far away are we from uh, a, not just a mutiny, but you know, finger pointing? How long before the defense says, "Look, you know." Uh, we're, we're doing our job out there. Not that they did it this week, but you know they're clearly a, a unit that's farther along and playing at a higher level than the offense. And even as someone who said, "Look, what I said the other day, and I said it on uh, Twitter, Facebook, something may have been not the best timing." But I kind of thought, you know what? They're going to play competitive football against the Patriots tonight, and then they're going to beat the hell out of a lot of teams. You know, the, the remaining the remaining games on the schedule, maybe only one or two losses on there. I think the team's going to sneak into the playoffs. And then they go out there and they play. Listen, Damian Woody said it best. If you're not following former Jets right tackle Damian Woody on Twitter, you are doing yourself a great disservice. He is very passionate. He tweets live about what's going on. And he just, you know, he's, he's tweeting out, this is frustrating, what's going on, da, da, da. And he just tweets out, he's like, hey, do you guys even effing practice? Like, because that's what it looked like. It looked like they didn't practice. This, and I, I tell you what, you know, it's a bit of a sidebar, but I think that's something coaches, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, that's one thing they probably hate about social media is that in, the, in years past, the only people who criticized the coaches were the media. And not even, not even just social media, but this, once this trend started of adding former players to, to broadcasts, coaches could always fall back on, well, you don't know, well, you don't know, you don't know. The famous Jim Mora thing. You think you know, but you you really don't. Well, you're right. going to tell Damian Woody he doesn't know? You're going to tell first-round draft pick, Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowl right tackle Damian Woody that he doesn't know? And he's watching your football team perform? And his question is, do you guys even practice? I mean, come on now. Let's, you know, let's get real here. Adam Gase getting called out by, you know, the broadcast, Booger McFarland, who didn't do a very good job. I actually like McFarland as a player from his Tampa Bay days back when I lived in Florida. But uh, he was a good player. But but still, I mean, you got ex-players. It's literally saying, do you do anything at practice, you know, during the week? There's not, there's not a bigger insult than that. 
by the way, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Check Mile Social out at milesocial.com. See what they can do to help you with your business. Run your social media platforms, M-I-L-E social.com. <clears throat> Alex, trade bait. The trade deadline is coming. The Jets' playoff hopes are going or gone. Teams are going to come yeah, calling. Tuesday is the final day, right? There is, I, it's the 29th or 30th, whatever date that falls on. There are, listen, the two big names, obviously, but what, I'll tell you what, two names that we're hearing, and one name that we're not, that I'm surprised. We're hearing Leo, you talked about that. We're hearing Robbie, uh, that comes as no surprise, he was, it, it was rumored, it was rumored last year that he was a guy who could uh, draw some interest, supposedly Joe Douglas's Eagles were knocking on the door for Robbie, but um, I'll tell you what, a guy they have who has some value, and no one's talking about it. Maybe because he's a new guy, but he's only on a one-year deal. Is Brian Poole. He's on a one-year deal, and he's playing at a very high level. If you're a team looking for a slot corner, would you not call the Jets and say, hey, we, I mean, slot, slot has become as important, if not more so, than some boundary defenses in, in some defensive schemes. So would you not call the Jets and say, hey, what will it take to get Brian Poole? And the Jets can look at it and say, look, we only have him on a one-year deal. We're going to have to give him big money after this season. Maybe they entertain that notion. So what, what, let's, let's try to get realistic here. Give me, give me your best guess. Those three guys, Robbie, Leo, and Poole, what would it take for you to give those guys up at minimum? You know, you, when you think about um, the Poole situation here, I believe it was like a UDFA. Um, and by the way, wait, and, minutes, Alex, just so you know. And so he uh, – he hasn't been spotlighted um, a lot, so uh, I'm curious to see what other teams w- would value him. You know, if teams are calling, if Darren Lee, a former first round pick, could go for a sixth round, then no one's going to be offering better than that, I would assume, um, unless if someone's really, really in love with him. So I don't know if you would part with him for a sixth or seventh rounder. Um, those are yeah, I, I, you know, I this, think this for a high performing slot corner, you're, you're getting and, more than a sixth. And you know, we we dealt with. Um, some some bad corner play throughout the year, so it's nice that you know we got one right. Unfortunately, he's only a one year show me deal, and you're right, he's going to have to get paid next year, especially um, with the, if, if he's going to continue with the Jets. You know, maybe if he tests out the market, um, he bets on himself, and maybe it doesn't work out. But uh, you know, if he's trying to stay with the Jets, he, he probably would warrant somewhere. I think there's between six to eight million is what you know. Uh, nickelback corners are going to get. And I, I don't know if that's, if he's that worth that amount yet. So I'm not sure, um, you know, if it was something better, you know, fourth, fifth round, something like that, I think I'd probably pull the trigger. But um, with the talent deprived team, I don't, I don't know if you want to get rid of a guy that's, that's actually performing admirably um, minus that, you know, passing interference holding he had in the uh, red zone against uh, uh, in, in the Patriots game. But to move to Robbie Anderson, um, our offense stinks so bad that I just don't logically think that getting rid of one of your best threats on on your offense um, would be a lucrative move at this point, Um, unless if you really just wanted to go into air quoting tank mode. Um, So I want to keep Robbie on the squad. I hope he gets – a good deal next year from Joe Douglas and, and he finishes career as a jet. That's what I'd like to say. Um, but again, we know that majority of these guys um, did not come through Joe Douglas's uh, eyes or, you know, he didn't make the moves for, for majority of these guys. So he's got no allegiance to them. So would it shock me? No. Um, would I do it? I wouldn't do it. I'd keep Robbie Anderson. Um, I'd also keep Leonard Williams too, but that's maybe I'm a homer. As, as most people would say, but uh, I get it. I mean, I understand that they want to make moves and they want to get some capital for next year. And I just hate to be thinking about the 2020 draft if, at the end of October, but you know, when you're one in five, these are the types of conversations you have to have. Yeah. And you know, for me personally, I would, I would like to see them keep Robbie. I, I know here's the thing. I, I probably overvalue him based on, what, what teams would offer. Like, to me, what he would bring if he had a competent, uh, you know, a competent situation around him 
Darnold notwithstanding, you know, Darnold having one bad week. But if, if, he, if he landed in the right system with the right coach, the right quarterback, the guy would be – his production would absolutely warrant a second-round pick. No doubt in my mind. But he plays where he plays, so he has produced what he has produced. And I think the Jets would be lucky to get a four. With Leo, because of the money he is making and what he will probably command in free agency, I, I agree with you that he is better than Jets Twitter says he is. But I don't think he. I think he's going to look for a lot more money than what he brings. So I would move him, but I wouldn't take less than a three. I would want a three and a mid or late rounder. And in terms of pool, again, I to me, <laughs> cornerbacks are tough to get in this league. And really, if he were available by trade, I'd I'd be interested to see if there's a better, younger one out there that can be had by a trade right now. And again, especially if you need a slot guy. Like if I'm the Chiefs, whose defense is atrocious right now and can't get off the field, I, I would want Leo in that front seven. And there are other teams, no doubt, undoubtedly, that could use a slot corner. So Poole, I, w- I would love to say a three or a four because of the level he's playing at. He's playing good football, and he plays a vital position. So that has value. Uh, but... I think the Jets, you know, the, as, as rare as trades are, I don't think we'll see Poole move. I just He jumps out at me as a guy who has some value. I think if anybody gets moved, it's Leo. I think even the team recognizes the fact that they need – you want some continuity around Darnold and some legitimate weapons. And Robbie Anderson is undoubtedly that. We saw it against yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, some people – arguing of the Sanu trade because the Patriots dealt a second rounder. Now let's be mm-hmm. honest, people. There's a good chance that the Patriots win the Super Bowl again. So that second round pick at the 30 or 64th spot, uh, that's just a glorified third round pick. So, yeah, and this team low knows and trusts their, their scouting team to, to move their picks around on draft day and, and move up and move back and compile more picks. And these guys hit. They hit all day long on draft weekend. So trading a second-round pick to them might have – they might have overpaid um, in certain minds, but they're not worried about it because they know that they're just going to win football games. And people comparing yeah. Sanu and Anderson, I get it, Robbie had a second round or, uh, tag on him in the offseason last year, and nobody picked it up. So that can kind of tell you where the league thinks about Robbie Anderson's value, because people didn't see him as a second round pick. So they they, they did a little. But I, I always thought. what what makes this interesting, and I'm not saying they would get a two for Robbie. That that's what I would want for Robbie. No, um, but if if you're a team that feels like Robbie is the difference between you being able to make the playoffs or not, you maybe say, all right, we'll give you a little more than we normally would because we feel like this is a guy that can open up our offense, give us, you know, a guy who can go over the top and stretch a defense. So anyway, we got a minute and a half left. Real quick, the Patriots are reportedly going to cut ties with Josh Gordon after placing him on IR, but he will then become a free agent and able to anywhere if you're the Jets do you sign Josh Gordon Alex I've always been a big Josh Gordon fan even though he's burned me many of times on on my fantasy team Um, I just would I think I need to get a little bit more information about how quickly he's going to be able to become healthy and, and then be able to contribute I think if you go for Josh Gordon and you're confident with his health and your team is in the playoff conversation then I think you go for him but when you're one in five, I like the idea of it. I just don't see it happening um, because that means that you're you're still banking on playing football in, in, in late January and early February, and I, I don't see that at this point in time. Yeah, I think uh, I think you take a pass on that, but his uh, his name's going to be out there. Someone's going to take a gamble. And someone always does, unless you're Antonio Brown. No one's signing that maniac right now. But that does it for us this week. Jets fans, happy to have made it through without any technical difficulties. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jets, Jaguars this week. Uh, quick Please prediction, Alex. I'm going to say uh, Jets, Jets lose 24-10. Alex, what's your score? 
Um, Jets are the weirdest team in America. And Five seconds. Them 31-17. All right. Thank you, Jets fans. Catch you next week. Have a great night. See you, Jet Nation.